I have a correction from yesterday. We can't be blamed for the incompetence that comes from county government. We did not endorse Armin Budish for county executive seven years ago. We did endorse Jack Schron. That was pointed out to me by Lee Weingart, another Republican who is hoping that we endorse this year. We'll go with a Republican again. It's Today in Ohio, the news podcast discussion from Cleveland.com and The Plain Dealer. I'm Chris Quinn here with Laura Johnston, Lisa Garvin, and our chief political writer, Seth Richardson, to talk some politics. Happy Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Happy Wednesday. Let's begin. Did the people charged with choosing a site for the new Cuyahoga County Jail follow through and vote for a site that was so contaminated with toxins 40 years ago that the state rejected it for a prison? Laura, what did these folks do? Surprise, they didn't do anything. They spent two hours in executive session discussing the use of this site, the shipping container yard between uh, Tremont and Cleveland Central neighborhood as the preferred location of their jail. That was about after an hour of public comment, but they didn't discuss any of the locations in public. And when they emerged, they basically said more conversation is needed. They ran out of time and they're going to resume another day. They didn't tell us what day that would be and they didn't say the reason for all their concern, but nobody's saying, oh, we slowed down just because Cleveland.com had published uh, the story about how in the 80s, the state backed down from putting a prison um, a yeah. prison there. They, no yeah. one would say that. No one would say that, but uh, you know, no one's talking for the record, but it's pretty clear that was a chief subject of the discussion. It was pretty well, hot. No there. one knew, right? Like right. they, they admitted That's, they didn't know this. Yeah. I mean, I look, they had, they had a plan to move that through, which we'd reported as of five o'clock the night before they had a plan to move that through. The only change was we reported this 40 year old thing and they didn't do it. Part of, part of what's worrisome here is the, what's coming out of this is well we knew it was contaminated it's no mm-hmm. big deal and it's just it's like wait but you didn't know this if you didn't know this what else didn't you know and when you start to talk about abating the 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 problem you know they talk about putting liners down and and things like that well you know anything man made doesn't last the liner eventually breaks down i'm surprised that this isn't just didn't kill it it's the, the other thing nobody has mentioned is this is about racial equity. Most of the people in the jail are black, and you're going to take all those people and have them sleep on a site that 40 years ago was so poisonous you couldn't build a prison there. It's terrible optics. There are other sites they are looking at that we're hearing about that are clean, that would not be a problem, and they keep pushing to get this done quickly, to get a shovel in the ground this year instead of sitting back saying, what's the right thing to do? And I don't think anybody in the public would say the right thing to do is to put it on a place that was so poisonous 40 years ago the state rejected it for a prison. Well, and that's why they had an hour of public comment before the steering committee meeting. They had people outside, I believe the county administration building, they had giant bedsheet signs basically saying, we don't want this. I mean, some people said they don't want any of this money, like $550 million spent on a jail at all. They wanted on affordable housing, diversion, other needed services. Yeah, I know. But, but we they certainly, we, we do need a jail because the it's a catastrophic situation that people are in there. So I think we need a jail to be humane. But they they certainly don't want it. And they, <laughs> I covered plenty of county council meetings. I realize this is the steering committee. It's different. But you did not get a lot of public interest in any of it. And the fact that you have an hour of public comment, like people are up in arms about this. 
Well, one of the, right. Well, th- th- that's one of the key points is the people involved in this process do not have their fingers on the pulse of the residents at all because nobody wants this. We keep hearing from people that one of my one of the weirdest arguments being made to support this is that they did it for the juvenile detention center. And they, you know, they had to dig 40 feet deep because there was all the rat poison there from a brewery. Well, nobody today agrees that was a good project right nobody everybody thinks it was a mistake to put it there it's a tower of failure in the middle of a of a poverty and it's so over i mean it overran cost it overran time it was was not a success yeah right they put in ridiculous fixtures i mean this so so that's your example well we did it before let's do it again it's like no let's not use the lowest common denominator of public spending as a justification for doing this i don't get why they're not looking at the first ring suburbs that have put up their property they want it and in many cases are closer to the police districts Mm -hmm. than this site is it's just and they're very accessible they're right off of uh, interstates so i i think what you said is they're not they're not getting it they're not hearing the public they're 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 in their cloistered little world and they're pushing to do this there are people in the room though that are dead set against putting it in a place that's so toxic that they couldn't build a prison there. Well, right. if I could jump in here, I'm sorry. Um, I We have so many brownfields that are never going to get mitigated. You say they found some clean sites, but, you know, nobody wants a jail in their neighborhood. I mean, every site they pick is going to have that's some... That's not true, Lisa. Well, no, the, the cities have actually said, build it here. They what want cities? this there on clean land. You know, it's all behind closed door stuff. So, it, you know, what I know is off oh. the record, but th- it's there. They have really viable options for this that would not require all this. And you're right. You, we should clean up brownfields. But do you really want to take 1,900 people and make them sleep on it when you're done? That's the that's the rub. Is, is that the right thing to do? I also think there's a hesitance. On the law enforcement side, do you really want to tell jail guards, hundreds of them, yeah, we're going to put you in this site that, that was toxic, but don't worry, it's clean. It just, it's it's terrible optics. I mean, and there's so much, as much as you can say, look, in 2004, the they did all of this cleanup and it's been cleaned up since the 80s and here are all the steps we took to mitigate. I mean, I feel like this is an ever-changing science. We don't know what will happen in the future. We don't know what things are not classified as toxic now that will be in the future, right? Like, we cannot predict the future, and it does feel like this is, even if it's believed safe, that it could just end up being a really bad idea. They should just listen to the community, hear the concerns, take a breath, and say, what's the right thing to do? I think there are other motives at play that are getting in the way of that. You are listening to Today in Ohio. Why is the head of Cleveland Hopkins International Airport packing it in, and how will Cleveland Mayor Justin Bibb work to replace him? Lisa, Kennedy came in here at a time when there was a lot of controversy at the airport, and he's actually had a pretty good run of keeping things even, all even during the pandemic. So it's a bit of a loss for him to go. Yeah, Robert Kennedy started in 2017. I actually thought he had been here longer, but he will be retiring. He's 69 years old, and he said the thing that did it for him was that he took a recent trip to California to see his grandkids, and that kind of made up his mind. He said, these are years I'm not going to be able to get back. So 
That's why he's leaving. But during his tenure, which included, you know, the craziness of the pandemic, he managed to uh, get a 20-year master plan for Hopkins Airport, which includes the $2 billion in terminal upgrades. He has increased passenger traffic as it was increasing every year he was there until the pandemic hit. Um, He also handled several crises. We had somebody drive through the security fence. We had a 2019 ransomware attack on the airport. And then there were some civil penalties about snow removal from the Federal Aviation Administration. He resolved on that. But he is, you know, he's excited and and he will be in the job for a few months in a transitional position while Justin Bibb looks for a new uh, airport director. And he says he's going to conduct a national search for Kennedy's replacement. Well, the history of airport directors has not been great. It's been a hard job for mayors to fill. We've had some people that really caused some trouble out there. And, and and you're talking about what he accomplished, but but really what he did was kind of ended the nonstop controversies that were coming out of there. The, 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 you know, he cleaned up the problem with the FAA on the, the salt and the fines, but his predecessors created those issues. So his steady hand has made that not a source of bad news for the mayor, which it long had been. And that's going to be tough to replace. They've always had some difficulties. And when they brought him in, he's a He's got a lot of experience. He really did the yeah. good job. So Cleveland, And he had a great, great quote in the story that we had in Cleveland.com. He said, we have a great city. We have a great region. It deserves a better airport. We do deserve a better airport. That place is a pit, but that's not his fault. It was what he came to run. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Big surprise story published this morning on our site. Seth Richardson, Bob Gibbs is retiring this, they're leaving this late in the race. Definitely a surprise. Gibbs has been there for quite some time and has been, you know, by pretty much all accounts, a pretty loyal Ohio Republican, right? He, he's among the congressmen who voted with Trump the majority of the time, um, among the most, right, most consistently. And it, it's really an example of some just collateral damage caused by Republicans at this point, right? Because uh, what was Gibbs facing? Uh, you know, uncertainty regarding redistricting, right? That process just taking so long and going through multiple iterations that, he really didn't even know what district he was going to run in until, you know, a week, two weeks ago. Right. Um, on top of that, after, you know, this latest round of congressional redistricting, he was lumped in that uh, district with Max Miller, who has Trump's endorsement. Uh, Trump came out and said he, he's not going to unendorse Miller. So Gibbs was kind of faced with a, a district that wasn't exactly um, – friendly to him because I believe the at least the plurality of Republican votes in there come from Cuyahoga County in the primary and he's facing a Trump back challenger which you know we know how much hold he has over the Republican Party so uh, a very surprising considering um, you know he was one of the more vocal even about the uh, uh, you know Trump's conspiracy theories about the election being stolen and you know voting to not certify and that sort of stuff so uh, yeah very very surprising this Do you morning. I, you know, I, I, I'm still unsure that Trump's endorsement will steer a Republican primary in that district, um, but he clearly does. Do you think he has polling that shows that Max Miller was going to trounce him? You know, I don't know if he has polling or not. It probably because it'd be pretty hard to poll um, given the all the movement that's been in there. There's, there's probably some that exists, some internal polling, um, but just the fact that. You know, Miller, uh, you know, Bob Gibbs has never been a prolific fundraiser. Um, 
he comes from, you know, a, a, a more a poor part of the state, right? So not exactly, you know, huge dollars coming in his way. And, you know, Miller was able to jump off with some very big fundraising because of that Trump endorsement, because he was facing Anthony Gonzalez. It was a very high profile kind of national um, uh, fight that was going on there. My guess is that's probably tapered off a bit, but he, he does still have those funds. And, you know, he has the ability to do some self-financing as well. So I, I think it's just a conglomeration of all of those things where, you know, on top of that, uh, you know, Gibbs is 67. Is he is he really up to this kind of fight against Trump after the Republican Party has really been um, uh, very uh, subservient to the former president? Right. And kind of just gone his way. I mean, look what's happening in, you know, all around the country in those primaries where, you know, Trump is weighed in. I, catch me if I'm wrong here, but this is also a district that we at one point had three or more Democrats in, but there's we're down to one. I that think, is right? correct. Yes, this was this. Yeah, this is the district that would. Ha- well, Gibbs's district wouldn't have gone there, but Miller's part of the district would have gone into Akron, um, which would have been a much more toss up uh, seat right now. It goes, you know, essentially from the southern kind of southern and western suburbs of Cuyahoga County down to Holmes County, where Gibbs lives includes Medina County in there. So it's a pretty solid Republican district. There is one Democrat running there, uh, Matthew Deemer, which it it will be kind of fascinating to see how this plays because this 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 should be safe territory for Republicans. But we do know that there there was some of that suburban slip from Trump in um 2020 and I'll, I'll be interested to see what the what the margin ends up being one way or another because you saw with Miller when this new district came up and, you know, his old district was very conservative, right? It, it, it played into that very, uh, you know, that, that Trump rhetoric, right? Well, now that it's a kind of predominantly suburban district, he's, he's since softened his uh, speaking style a little bit, right? Maybe to uh, befit the district a little bit more. Okay. You're listening to Today in Ohio. Why isn't U.S. Senator Rob Portman of Ohio supporting Ketanji Brown-Jackson for Supreme Court justice? Laura, this isn't a surprise. We talked about it, speculated a couple weeks ago he would not do it, and he's not doing it. Why not? Basically, he said she doesn't align with his views on what the court should be, that she's an activist and he believes she's going to legislate from the bench and consider expanding the Supreme Court, which he doesn't want to do. So he released the statement on Tuesday, said her nomination is is historic and all Americans can be proud of her personal story, but he cannot support the nomination based on her record and the response to questions. Yeah, not not a surprise. And I think Seth pointed out the last time we talked that he didn't support her in her previous right uh, judicial nominations so not but it, not, it's not necessarily going to matter because uh susan collins maine and lisa murkowski of alaska and mitt romney have all said they're going to support jackson's nomination so the confirmation's assured so i mean portman gets to make a stand he said he, he put out the statement said he i believe the job of a supreme court justice is to fairly and impartially apply the law but i mean in the end it won't really matter okay you're listening to today in ohio Is there a new round of attempted identity theft and fraud at the Ohio Unemployment Office? Lisa, we started asking these questions because we heard from one of our readers who said she had just gotten a letter and some of her friends had just gotten a letter. And as we started to ask about it, two people in our own office got the letters. So we thought, hmm, a lot of smoke here. 
is there a fire? Unemployment scams are back, apparently, after going through a bit of a lull. Um, ODJFS spokesman Bill Teat says they've seen increased fraudulent activity lately. Um, Ohioans are not getting no- are getting notifications from ODJFS of sub- suspicious activity of- on their accounts. And this is a result of the anti-fraud measures that they established last year because of the millions that flowed to the wrong people after the pa- during the pandemic. But um, he said, if you get a notice or any unexpected changes, you need to report ID theft online so they can, you know, trace it and, and document it. If you do report ID theft online, you will be eligible for one year of free credit monitoring. If your benefits are stolen, you can also apply for reimbursement of those. But yeah, he said that just, you know, there was a lull and then all of a sudden, you know, it started up again, but it's kind of taking a different tack this time. Before, people were just, you know, grabbing people's, you know, information and this, you know, masquerading as that person. But now they're breaking into genuine accounts and trying to reroute the payments to themselves. It's kind of a small uh, proportion of the fraud that they're seeing, but it is starting to grow. Yeah, it's what's frightening, I think, for a lot of people that do report this is, you just found out that your identity might have been stolen and you have to go report it on a site that then asks for every piece mm. of your personal mm-hmm. information. And it just, it makes you feel icky that, wait, wait, though, if my identity was stolen, how secure is this site and why should I put all my information back in? Anyway, we appreciate the readers who let us know this was happening. We weren't aware. And it turns out it's a genuine story. You're listening to Today in Ohio. What did Matt Dolan have to say in a special election podcast episode with him? Seth, you and I talked to six different candidates for statewide office last week, and you're going to start rolling those episodes out today, today, tomorrow, Friday, and then three days next week. Matt Dolan's first. What were the highlights? Yeah, those will drop daily at one o'clock starting today and going forward. Um, I, I guess I should start by saying that Matt Dolan was the only Senate Republican who had something to say since we invited everybody and he's the only one who accepted. Um, you know, a, a lot of what he said was uh, kind of some of the same thing. I don't want to say some of the same things, but some of the same style that he's had throughout this entire election, right? He's less focused on the uh, the, the red meat of sorts, the uh, kind of wedge issues or anything like that. And he, he did have a lot to say about, you know, we talked about uh, curbing inflation. We talked about Ukrainian refugees. We talked about the CHIPS Act. We talked about all sorts of things. Um, I, would, I would urge everybody to give a listen just to kind of get an idea. We tried to keep these more policy focused and uh, um, kind of dig in a little deeper there. I do hear from a lot of people that want him to win because they think the other candidates are fringe crazy people and they're desperately afraid that somebody like Josh Mandel would be a U.S. senator from Ohio. And when Matt Dolan originally announced, they got very excited because he's a conservative they could get behind, kind of an old fashioned conservative ideal. Uh, But they're worried because they don't feel like he's done enough to differentiate himself, to 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 show that I'm the independent guy. I'm not the Trumpy Trump guy. Uh, And we asked him about that, and his answer was interesting. He believes he's peaking at the right time. Yeah, he seems to be under the impression that this this campaign, which he started late, right? Let's, you know, add that in as well, that most of his uh, fellow primary rivals had been campaigning for months, you know, before he had even gotten in the race. He was sniffing around. Everybody sort of knew it, a little bit of an open secret. But he seems to think that, you know, he's going to go into this final month of the election and— 
that is going to uh, lead to, you know, uh, a, a precipitous increase where he's going to come out on top on election day. And I mean, you know, there there's some theory behind that in terms of uh, broad political theory, right? You never want to peak too early. We've seen, you know, plenty of peaks and valleys throughout this entire election. And you see it really in every election, especially in a crowded field. So uh, whether that pays off, I, I don't know. Uh, I think it's anybody's guess at this point. It, it It's hard. It, it doesn't necessarily seem like there is momentum there, but uh, you got a lot I've been testy about it, though. He, 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 oh, yeah. Well, I mean, if you're him, I think you would, too. Right? You don't you don't no, necessarily. It was it was just what are you doing to separate yourself? And he got a little testy. He did say that when he leaves a room all over Ohio, when he's talking to people, he's certainly not getting everybody, but he is getting a good number. And so, you know, no candidate's going to say, except Bernie Moreno before he dropped out, I'm losing. But he but he seemed very um, passionate about his chances. So, Well, the question is, you know, he talks about going into those rooms and being able to convert and all that. And it's, you know, the question is, can you get in enough of those rooms that, yeah, you can, you know, realize that increase? Because we know that a lot of this race is just going to play out on TV, right? We've been flooded with advertising. I believe we're above $39 million just, you know, from December, uh, January 1st to this point. So that's going to be a lot of it. And it's not like he's not playing there. He's he's up there as well. But do you break through the other millions of dollars being spent? I have a question for you, Seth. Um, why has Trump not endorsed in this race? yet and do you expect him to uh it's a tough call right uh he he says that he plans to weigh in in some form or fashion i think when you look at trump's endorsements the most important thing to him isn't necessarily um you know the candidate so to speak right it is winning he loves to tout his record of winning and you know i've He'll, he used to tweet about it. Oh, my uh, my record is 200 and whatever, right? And most of those were in safe races. When it comes to being in competitive races, you know, do you want to tarnish that record and then look like you you backed a loser? Because we know that winning is the most important thing to him. So in a race that is at least as close as it seems right now, do you bet on a horse that, you know, maybe doesn't win and then you kind of have to, you know, change boats upstream when the general happens or do you just sort of wait out and see because you're you're still reaping all of the benefits of being labeled this kingmaker without actually having to make a decision Hmm, interesting who do you think he might pick not that you want to get inside his head but do you have any speculation on who he might pick i i don't i i couldn't pretend to uh know what's (laughs) going on in those discussions all right check out the episode it drops at one o'clock today you're listening to today in ohio Does a bill replicating parts of Florida's don't say gay law have much of a chance of passing in Ohio? Laura, this was proposed yesterday by two legislators. I'm always skeptical when you have so few legislators putting someone forward, but they got the hyperventilation they wanted. Everybody reported it. Groups came out of the woodwork to talk about it. And if that was their goal, they succeeded. If their goal was passage, do they have much of a chance? That is a tough call right now. I I don't know the answer to it. You're right. There's only two co-sponsors of this, Republican state representatives Mike Loichik of Trumbull County and Gene Schmidt of Cincinnati, and they introduced this House Bill 616. Bob Cup said he would address it at a gaggle today. Matt Huffman said he won't comment it until it passes the House since out of respect for the House. But um, it's a, it's serious. People are taking it seriously enough after all of the 
talk about critical race theory and all of the bills that have come out that we've written about where you talk about like sexual education for kids, that the Ohio education spoke out against it. So did a teacher's group and they put out statements. It's not a direct carbon copy from Florida's legislation, but it is close. The, the, what's remarkable to me about this issue is how much it has been engineered over the past 18 months to get passions up, even though there's not a real issue there. If you think about it, this whole thing, CRT and what's being taught in the schools, was all put into the public consciousness by design mm-hmm. to rally the troops and get people all flustered. And it worked. People have been manipulated so badly into having this debate. And here we are once again talking about this thing that's not really real. Right. And we have no idea how people, you know, it's it been introduced. It hasn't obviously come out of committee. Nobody's taken a vote yet. So we don't know it. They might be waiting to see which way the political winds are going before they sign on to it. But this in grades kindergarten through three, the bill would prohibit schools from teaching, using or providing any curriculum or instruction on materials on sexual orientation or gender identity. Grades four through 12, they'd have to stick with an age and developmentally appropriate instruction materials, lessons and curriculum on sexual orientation and gender identity. And if teachers don't follow the law, they could lose their state license. Right. right. But all of this is predicated that something like this is happening right, that now and there's no right. evidence it is. It's all this is utter nonsense. And. Instead of talking about the real stuff that matters, this is dominating the conversation. It's all part of why gerrymandering is such an important topic. If we didn't have ridiculous supermajorities in our legislature, we wouldn't deal with nonsense like this. But this is the topic of the day. Right. Like one of the editors said to me, you know, we should start talking to companies and how they feel about being in a state where this kind of stuff is discussed. And I'm like, well, like first, let's start with the people who live here and the fact that they don't have a huge there isn't this huge swell of anti gerrymandering um, issue. And, and to me, like, this is what, what happens when you have a completely dominated state legislature. And I, I agree. Like, my kids are in elementary school. They're not talking about gender identity <laughs> at all. Right. But there's a whole list of things that HB 616 would say cannot, like, would be banned out of school, including talk about, like, the 1619 Project, which is a New York Times podcast. I mean, it's that specific. But you're right. We, They're talking about this instead of how to get our kids back up to speed after the coronavirus virus pandemic has you know really affected them academically and emotionally for years the ultimate effect of this is going to reduce the number of people going to school to become Mm -hmm. teachers who in their right mind would want to enter the education field right now when this is what is ahead is politics in the classroom sad day for ohio you are listening to today in ohio which major grocer in Northeast Ohio is returning to the days of no plastic shopping bags? Laura loves this kind of talk, but Lisa, this is yours to go oh, into. Oh, yeah, and I'm excited about it. Of course, I haven't used plastic bags in years, um, but Giant Eagle stores in Cuyahoga County will stop using plastic bags on Earth Day, which is April 22nd. They did enact this ban in 2020, right before the pandemic shut everything down, and then they went back to plastic bags because they felt like reusable bags 
bags, you know, were a danger of infection, which we now know is not true. So they will be giving away 100,000 reusable bags starting on Earth Day, the 22nd. And uh, once they run out of that, they will sell them at the store for 99 cents. Customers who use their own bags can join a monthly sweepstakes to win $10,000. There will be paper bags still available, even though they admit, you know, yeah, they're better than plastic, but they're not great for the environment. But they will be available for $0.10 a piece. But if you're on Snap, you can get those paper bags for free. It was interesting how after we had all these debates about these bags, uh, as soon as the coronavirus hit, we all went back to them for sanitary reasons because people were worried about how the coronavirus mm-hmm. transmits. And a lot of people thought, well, that's the end of the no plastic bag movement. But as the pandemic becomes endemic, seems like we're back to the no plastic bag Which movement. Which is great. You know, of course, I use self-checkout at Giant Eagle. So during the pandemic, I used my own bag, you know, because at self-checkout, you could do that. But uh, yeah, I just, you know, when you see them blowing around, there's one stuck in my neighbor's tree, way up in the tree in the backyard, flapping in the breeze. And you just look at that and think, oh my <laughs> God. But yeah, so I, I applaud this movement. And I think it's a move that everybody is going to. And if we don't do it here, we're just going to look completely backwards. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was in Vancouver in February, like you, if you went into a fast food restaurant and you got a cup, like you got cha- charged 15 cents for that mm-hmm. cup. And I was like, are we all supposed to be bringing our own coffee mugs around? I, I just feel like the whole world is moving that way. And um, maybe it'll end up being good for companies. They'll save a little bit of money on the, the manufacturing of those things. Okay, you're listening to Today in Ohio. Seth, we don't have time to go into the Morgan Harper and Tim Ryan podcast episodes that we were planning to talk about, but we should say the Morgan Harper episode will drop at 1 o'clock tomorrow, Tim Ryan, 1 o'clock Friday, right? Yep, that is the schedule right now. And again, I urge everybody to give a listen. We went into some pretty deep detail on some policy in those. Actually, I found all six. It was heartening because I found all six were thoughtful, you know, had had very clear approaches to what they wanted to do. Uh, I was glad that these are the six that chose to talk to us because I think they were very good conversations. Check them out. They're posting starting today. It's Today in Ohio. Thank you, Seth. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Lisa. Thanks to everybody who listens to this podcast. <laughs>